0: Welcome to Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, the number one podcast for Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks, and home to the top-rated guidebook of the same name, and I am your author as well as your host for this and all of the podcasts, Teddy Garland, and this is a story podcast. This is a podcast that is simply put out there for you guys to uh, listen to as you guys are driving through yellowstone or grand teton national park and you don't want to have to listen to one of the podcasts that's tied into the guidebook for me telling you what's coming up next and what you're going to see and what you're going to do just to hear a funny story so i do these story podcasts just to give you guys some fun stuff to listen to as you guys are tooling around through the parks and this is one of those stories, and it's about my first big hike and how I stumbled onto this book back in the day and all that stuff. So, so I've had this podcast out there before called The First Big Hike, and I put it out there, God, probably five or six years ago, and it was pretty rough. So I think I've gotten a little better at these things since then. So I was listening to it the other day, just kind of popped up. I kind of listen to these podcasts to make sure they, they sound okay, and I go back in and kind of clean them up and all that stuff. And uh, I unfortunately had... uh cussed a little bit in that one so I was kind of unhappy about that. I kind of like to make my podcasts good for uh, little ears and all that stuff and so I wanted to clean that part of it up and I also wanted to add some stuff to it. I just didn't, didn't do a good job in detailing it out about my first big hike. So this is a, a addition to the series I've got called Story Podcast and I do a bunch of them about my growing up there in the Yellowstone area and my parents We've been coming up there. I think this is uh, 2023, and that puts us at 104 years. So uh, we've got a lot of, uh, of time up there. You end up if you spend that much time up there every four, about three or four months out of your every summer for your entire life up there, you end up with some pretty good stories. And uh, and my family got out there and got amongst them pretty good too. So we've got some pretty good stories. And this is one of those good stories. So and if you just happen to be listening to this podcast, the first podcast you've ever listened to, you're like, what are the odds? <laughs> you can pick up a copy of our guidebook. The guidebook we. Produce Produce. It's called Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, and it has been called the best guidebook ever written for Yellowstone Park, a must-have for Yellowstone Park. And this season, we've had a lot of you guys pop up and call it the Bible for Yellowstone Park. So that's uh, that's pretty good accolades. I'm really proud of it. I got that guidebook screwed down tight, man. And I'm gonna we're gonna make some big additions to it this winter too. This is about August fifteenth, twenty twenty-three. And I only produce a thousand paperback copies of the guidebook every year. And this year we sold out about God three, four, five days ago, we sold out of paperback copy. However, now we we take about a hundred paperback copies to the book peddler in West Yellowstone. And we took about 50 copies to West Park Outdoors in West Yellowstone as well. And remember, you can always get an electronic copy for only 12 bucks downloaded to your phone or device just instantly by going to our website. But if you guys want a paperback copy, just call West Park Outdoors or the book peddler and see if they have any copies left and they'll reserve and hold one for you and i think they've got some left. I think that you should be able to call, say hey, and and you can call them and say i'm going to pre prepay for a book over the phone, put my name on one, and they'll uh, they'll have it waiting for you when you get to West Yellowstone if you want a paperback copy, but you can get an electronic copy downloaded instantly to your phone or device for only 11.99 and it pops right up on your, you know, iMac or your phone or whatever you got going on right there. So so if you want a paperback copy, you better call them. Otherwise, you're gonna have to wait till 2024. So, all right. So let's get rolling with the first big hike. And uh, there's some funny parts to this, and at the end there's a really good moral to this whole story. So I try not try to throw those in there. And this was me. I got my hat handed to me, and uh, about how to have a good attitude about things because uh, I was at the end of my rope, and uh, I, I I learned a big lesson on this uh, this first big hike. So let's get rolling with the first big hike. And this is a a good story for you guys to listen to as you guys are tooling through Yellowstone Park. Here we go. All right, I kind of forgot to mention, also coming up this winter, sometime this fall, we are coming out with a new line of clothing for you guys. Truckers hats, t-shirts, All kinds of cool stuff that uh, Lisa's really been working hard on, and uh, we're going to add it to our website, exploreyellowstonelikealocal.com. And then we also think we're going to be able to sell some of these things at West Park Outdoors right there in West Yellowstone. Look for all that. Uh, that They won't be available in that store until next year. Look at everything online starting just before Christmas. We should have some neat stuff on there. Saw some neat things I really liked and caught my eye. And so I bought some name names. Surf Yellowstone and Surf Montana. And then we got the Explore Yellowstone like a local stuff on there. So we're going to have some really neat, interesting clothing coming up really quick for you guys. So uh, we've had a lot of people ask for that kind of stuff. You know, you guys got hats and that kind of stuff. So we're we're getting ready to jump into that for you guys. So Also, for those of you that haven't done it yet, be sure and join our Yellowstone Facebook group. That has become a really cool tool for everybody. Lisa started that up, uh, God, about a month ago, and she's already got just hundreds, if not a thousand, members on that thing. And it's a great forum for people to post pictures of, of their great trip to Yellowstone Park. And everybody's thanking me about the guidebook and all that stuff and how much fun they had. And they beat the crowds and all that stuff. And you guys remember, one thing I hate to waste is time and money. And uh, and everybody's having a great time in Yellowstone Park because they're taking the best advantage of their time, and they're also saving money while they're doing it. So the guidebook has really got, I got the guidebook screwed down really tight, but man, we're going to have some big additions. I'm going to add a hiking chapter just for kids, uh, and just, you know, kind of the hiking chapter is so big, I'm going to try to break it into sections for the 2024 season. So kind of do do that. I've got some really good ideas coming up. I just keep coming up with new ideas for the guidebook every Year, I think that's just perfect. And then I just I reread it and I come up with all these really good ideas. And Lisa's over there shaking her head because she's got to rearrange all the pictures and stuff, all the stuff I get in there and screw everything up. And then she's got to fix it also. But uh, join that Facebook group. Uh, and if you guys are getting ready to go. You can ask questions, and not only do I answer the questions, there's people that have been in the park that have used the guidebook that can also answer the questions for you guys. That thing has really turned out to be a big deal. I didn't... I don't do much facebook stuff or anything else but lisa does she does all the social media and everything else yeah it's turned out to be a really cool addition to the the uh, explore yellowstone like a local you know franchise if you will and it's really helped people out so if you guys get home post your pictures on there and let everybody see all the fun stuff you guys have had to do- have done and and then, uh, for those of you guys who are going, if you got any questions, just ask them, and everybody will answer them, including me. I'm the first person to jump on there and answer questions. Lisa says that we sit there in the evening, every single evening, and we answer, uh, you know, six to ten to twelve to twenty questions, emails an evening for you guys, so everybody can have a great trip to Yellowstone Park. So, all right, and now I promise we're getting ready to start the first big hike story. Sorry about that. Here we go. Alright, so this all takes place back in the early 1980s or so. Before the internet or cell phones or anything else. So, you know, you're kind of on your own figuring things out and everything else. And uh like I said, you know, we you know, we're over at Lake Henry's fifteen miles from West Yellowstone and we would, you know, get bored. So we you know we'd go in the park three or four days a week just to go and you go in the park forty times a year, you you get bored doing the same stuff. But as we were driving through the park all these times and all these years and, and just messing around in the park and, and screwing around, you know, you're driving down the road and even today you're driving in through Madison Junction, you're hitting Madison Junction, going to Old Faithful, or you're going over to the canyon area, or whatever, and you'll just see on the side of the road a small wooden sign that says Trailhead. And we would stop at a bunch of them, and you'd, you know, you'd take off walking and see what you could find, but you didn't know where you were going. You didn't know what you were going to see. You didn't know what how far anything was. You didn't know if the you were going to go see a geyser that was you know six miles away, or didn't know if you might get killed. You know, some of these trails in Yellowstone Park are, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 miles long. And, and it, you know, go over 12,000, 14,000-foot peaks. I mean, you just didn't know where you were going. So, you know, I mean, you're just going to go out there and get your hat handed to you. But we would take off on a bunch of them. and We'd park and, yeah, there's a trail that's on them. You know, we'd walk up there for an hour or two hours or three hours. And it was just walking through the trees. So we'd turn around. But we didn't know where it went. And so, and there wasn't any way to figure it out. You just had to talk to people that had been on a trail and, yeah, try this trail over there and you'd go over Then you'd try that trail. And we, you know, we went into the end of it and we found this geyser. No, 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 no. But you didn't, there wasn't anything out there to tell you where all these trails went. You know, I had this giant Yellowstone Park map. It was about, God, almost five feet by five feet. It was just huge. I mean, you had to get a picnic table or something to set the thing out on. And it showed all the all the trails and it showed the backcountry campsites and stuff on these trails. But it didn't you you didn't really know where you were going or what you were gonna get into unless you know you saw a little label on there that said, you know, geyser pool or whatever you know that you really didn't know where you were going and uh, you're just looking at these map and all these trails but it didn't describe anything it didn't tell you how how steep the trail was or what you were going to see when you got to the end of the trail and then Mid early 1980s. I I'm just go to West Yellowstone. We're over there doing something. I can't remember what. My mom was buying groceries or something like that. I was walking around town or whatever. I was probably 20 years old, 25, 24, something like that. And I, I like going in this old bookstore. There was this old bookstore. It was just filled with all this crazy stuff. This guy named Scott Cluel and his wife June owned this bookstore in West Yellowstone, and it was fabulous. He he was a collector of old antique books and maps and this and that and the other. and And I was in there talking to him. I'd known Scott for, you know, since I was a... 10 or 12 years old, a teenager. You know, lo and behold, who would know that in 1993, after my dad died on Lake Henry's and uh, had to give my our old cabin to my sister to get her out of my hair, that I would end up buying... My A-frame cabin that I own today from Scott and June Cluel. Who who would have ever dreamed that? And I'm just sitting there, a little you know, a kid basically, a 20 year old kid in this bookstore. But then you know, who knew 20 some odd years later that I would buy a uh, ca- my cabin from the guy that owned the bookstore that I'm sitting there talking to that I've been friends with for 10 years. You know, what are the odds? So and so. I'm sitting there talking to Scott, and you know, he's just got books scattered everywhere. There was just it was just all Harry Carey and all just hodgepodge of maps. You could just spend hours in this bookstore and looking up books and maps and just stuff everywhere just stacked on top of it like it just looked like a garage or something like that it was it was awesome people loved that bookstore it was really really hip and so I said we're talking to Scott you know, and just, you know somebody came up to buy something so I kind of scooted over kind of looking down I saw this little blue book it was tiny it was just slightly bigger than a deck of cards you know you could fit it in the hip pocket of a pair of blue jeans that was really small and it was just a paperback book and you opened it up and it had it looked like it was handwritten almost it was really 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 rough And uh, on the cover, it said Yellowstone Trails by Mark C. Marshall. I kind of thumbed through this thing while somebody was checking out, and there was a couple hand-drawn maps in there and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it said Trailhead, and here's where he went. And then he had a little description of the trail. I go, well, bingo, bingo, bongo, you know, here we go. Now there's finally a book out there that, tells you where all these trails are going and it didn't even cover god that first book didn't cover 10th of the trails but it covered the really good ones i thought and he had really good descriptions of everything and how far everything was and you know like you're gonna go like i send a lot of you guys to the con, the black sand beach, the confluence of the hell roaring and the Yellowstone River down there to this campsite called Two H Two. Well, that's how I I found that in that book. And he said, you know, a description of it. You know, it's a delightful spot, the cliffs and the Black Canyon of Yellowstone and black sand beach and everything else. So I said, man, that sounds cool. So I went down there, found that thing. Got 2H2, spent the night down there with, took, you know, like four or five of us went down there and checked it all out and everything. And it said, it's badass. And so that is how I found that by this little blue book. I, I don't know where it is now, it's 45 years ago. I mean, My dog ate the corners of it off. I don't know how my dog got a hold of it one time. And and I still had it, but I still used it. And no offense to Mark, um, but the book now is still out there, Yellowstone Trails. But it is huge. It is just, you know, it's an inch and a half thick. And, and, uh, you know, it's got all these maps and stuff in there. But it just covers everything. The vast majority of the trails in Yellowstone Park are just duds. I mean, you're just walking through the trees. But... Yellowstone Park offers some of the coolest things to go see when you're hiking, and we're gonna t- this we're gonna kind of get into this here in a second. To go see, you got a destination, and that's in the guidebook. I send you guys to destinations. I send you to 2H2 to that Black Sand Beach. You guys go down there and catch a bunch of fish and all this stuff. And I mean, everybody comes out of there just ranting and raving about how pretty it was because it's awesome. And then I send you guys to a geyser area or something like that, or I send you guys to a hot pot or a hot pool or something to go swimming in. There's some really cool things in Yellowstone Park you can't find anywhere else in the world. you can get you know you can go to Colorado and walk through the trees, but in Yellowstone Park, you could get to some amazing things you can't find anywhere else in the world, and that's the things I get you to in the guidebook. I picked the best of the best of the best for out of all the trails I hit out of this little book and I would go hit these trails for I did it for you know gosh thirty five or Thirty, almost 40 years before I published my guidebooks. I've hit them all. I mean, I've done them all. I've done every trail in Yellowstone Park, Grand Teton, outside of the park, and everything else. I've done them all. And I put the best of the best of the best in the guidebook for you guys, so you guys don't go walking through the trees. And Mark Marshall's book doesn't cover anything in Grand Teton as well, and I cover everything in Yellowstone Park as well as Grand Teton. The best of the best of the best is in the guidebook for you guys. But that first little blue book Opened up a world to me that I didn't know existed in Yellowstone Park by driving past those little trailheads and having this little book. And the maps in there were hand drawn. I mean, he drew them on a little piece of paper and had these little notes on there and stuff. It was really cool. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I mean, and I wore that book out i mean i got in the car the next day and i said i'll see you guys at dinner and then i got up the next morning and i said i'll see you guys at dinner and i got up the next morning i'll see you guys at dinner i did that all summer long i was just going all over the place because i now i knew where i was going i knew how far it was i knew how hard it was and everything else it just opened up A world to me, because before this, there was no internet, no cell phones, or anything else. You had to have somebody publish a book about where these were. Or you had to talk to somebody that had been on one of the trails. And so that was what the impetus of this whole big first hike was. So the next year rolls around. And every year, a lot of my friends would come up every year to Yellowstone because I was staying up there with my parents, with my family or whatever for two months, three months at a time. Every year, my friends would come up and a couple friends would stay for three or four days. The other couple friends would come up after they left and so on and so forth. And so I had the winter before, after I bought that book. I was sitting there. We were all out to dinner somewhere, and I said, hey, man, I was telling this good buddy of mine about this book, Skip. Skip's in a lot of these podcasts. And he goes, man, let's do it. Let's go on a big hike. Let's go check some cool stuff out. And I'd said, i read that book, and I said, man, we need to go to this place called Beckler. Anybody that's listened to me talk about Yellowstone Park and everything else knows I love Beckler. This is August 16th, I believe, 2023, and... We got in the lottery, and uh, we got the campsite right below Dunanda Falls in Beckler. And Dunanda Falls is unbelievable. It's the back picture of the guidebook. Used to be on the cover, but now it's on the, the back cover of the guidebook. Is us at the base of Dunanda Falls and the Beckler area of Yellowstone Park. And anybody's listening to me talk about it, doesn't really get rolling until August because uh, it gets so wet. 80% of the park's waterfalls are down to the Beckler's hiking only area. I suspect one day they'll have roads back in there, but right now they don't. But uh, yeah, we've got uh, the, the best campsite to get to Dunanda Falls. And we're, Lisa and I and some friends are going to hit back there in just a, a a few days back, right about uh, September 1st, 2nd, I think is when our campsite is, and uh, go back there. And, and then we're going to go back again, I think, at the end of September, up into the Beckler Canyon and go pay Mr. Bubbles a visit because Lisa's never seen Mr. Bubbles, the largest hot pot in the world, and all that stuff. So, but I found all this stuff by doing this first big hike, and so. I'm sitting there telling my buddy Skip about this stuff. And uh, you know, my plan was we were going to start at Old Faithful. We're going to start right there south of Old Faithful and we were going to get dropped off there and we were going to walk up the continental divide a couple times and then but it was going to be all downhill once we got into the Beckler Canyon and i figured you know it'd be up pretty pretty steep at the start and then it would be all downhill you know pretty much from noon on all the way down that we camped out and then be downhill cuz we'd be going downstream and I had pulled out that big five foot by five foot map I had up there at the at the cabin and all this stuff and, and I had looked at this trail going down through there and all this stuff. So you know I and, and I c you know used that in conjunction with the book. So I figured out, you know, it was it was a good plan. I thought this was a really good plan. And so we, we you know we were gonna do this the next summer. And so, you know, I was out to dinner with Skip and everybody, and I told him about the whole plan, and he goes, that's great. So the next year rolls around, and, you know, we're actually on the plane flying up there. And so nobody at this point in time had seen the, the Little Blue Book, you know, The Little Blue Book. So, you know, I said, hey, man, you, you let's read. Make sure we're doing this good. Make sure we're we're not, make sure we're not getting just over our heads, you know, beyond belief. You know, it's, we're talking from Old Faithful down to we were going to camp at Twister Falls, Three River Junction area right there, which is about halfway, and then all the way down to actually we're going to go to Cave Falls instead of the Beckler Ranger Station because, you know, we were going to do the whole thing. We were going go to go all the way to the end of the trail and you know if you're going to be a bear be a grizzly bear and all that stuff we used to say but and so you know we're on the plane flying up to Henry's Lake up flying up to Yellowstone and I said you know sitting there next to Skip hey man read this so he reads the little two or three page description and looks at the little map and he goes 39 miles huh I go yeah you know if we're going to break it in half it'll be about 19-20 miles a day if we walk two miles an hour Then, you know, we walk in nine or 10 hours. We start at six. You know, we'll be there by three, screw around the rest of the day, have some dinner and all that kind of stuff. And then the next day we'll walk out. We'll be out by two or three o'clock the next day. And he goes, all right. So, you know, right across the aisle from us is the other participants in this deal, which is Robert and Linda Lippert. And of course, my wife, Ann, she she didn't care. I'd already told her about it. She never listened to a word I said anyway, so I just kind of in one ear and out the other. <laughs> Skip goes, "Hey, I think you guys ought to read this." Nah, rah 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 rah. Nobody wanted to read it or anything else. Let's just go rah 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 and all this kind of stuff. And Robert Lipper was the only one at this point in time that had been hiking. He had; they had a place in Colorado, and he just, you know, they had done a bunch of hiking and stuff like that. So, and you guys got to remember, this is a long time ago. We've got these terrible big huge frame packs and all this stuff so so that was the preface to this whole thing so we're at camp we've got everything packed up we got everything ready to go and all this stuff and uh we've got on our hiking boots and everything else and uh old robert and you know and he shows up wearing a pair of reebok tennis shoes these red white and blue Old fashioned, really popular back in the 80s, Reebok tennis shoes. And it's like, Are you sure you want to wear those? And uh, he goes, Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. So, all right. So, we get up at 5 a.m. and my sister takes us to the drop off point. And uh, we actually see a couple bears on the way up there because it's dark. You know, the bears were out in droves at night, you guys. You know, I repeat that over and over to you guys, and the guide put that, uh, the if you guys are in the park in the evening, you have a great chance to see bears all the time, because they're just out in droves, and the evening was cooler. It was really cool, so we saw some bears on the way in there. You know, sun's just coming up, sun came up about 5.15 or something like that. This is about the middle of August, and it was really going to be hot. We knew it was going to be hot that day. We take off, and we walk to down the down the trail, you're basically on this little road. You can ride bikes on it. i tell you how you can ride bikes on it in the guidebook. But anyway, we go to Lone Star Geyser. And, you know, we come around Lone Star Geyser, and Lone Star Geyser's sitting there kind of fizzling out. We kind of just missed it going off and everything else. We came around the corner of Robert Lippert, who had been hiking a number of times. You know, he goes, man, that's so cool. That's so cool you get to see this stuff hiking. Because, you know, in Colorado, you just, you just walk through the trees and maybe try to get to a lake or something like that. You know, but you're... Yellowstone Park you get to these really cool amazing things and so we saw you know the end of Lone Star going off and everything else you know, cuz it's a you know it's really cool stuff and so you know we keep trek- taking off and we're going around and then we start climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing and we get up and I mean it is starting to get hot quick and I mean it was ended up getting almost 98 degrees that day it, it got hot And so it was really, really, really hot. We finally crest the Continental Divide up there at this place called uh, Trishman's Knob. And Trishman's Knob is kind of an interesting story. It's where a plane crashed back in the, God, the 40s or the 50s. And some guy lost control of his plane flying over Yellowstone Park, some Cessna or something like that. And you know, dog piled right into this knob. It's not even a mountain or anything else, but he just dogpiled this knob and you could still see remnants of the plane there. And we thought we'd hit there about ten AM. We didn't get there till one. So we were way, way behind schedule. And uh we had been climbing hard and it was hot and we were just covered in sweat and We stopped to have lunch right there at the uh, Trishman's Knob. We thought we'd be about three miles or four miles past that by noon, and and, uh, so we knew we were way behind schedule already. But, according to my plan and you know looking at a topography map and all this kind of stuff it started to be more downhill we started to kind of crest we haven't gotten into the back where yet but we started to finally head downhill a little bit and so that that was a kind of a relief and i was going yeah i told you guys we're gonna head downhill but nobody listened you know about anything well, i don't know what you're talking about they were all just you know everybody's hot and everything else and and uh, so we were walking along and, and uh, we finally get down to our campsite about, gosh, five o'clock. We'd been on the trail since about, about 6 am. So we were nine hours, we were 11 hours in, excuse me, 11 hours. And we were at our campsite and which was at Twister Falls. But we knew Three Rivers Junction was only about another mile, mile and a half. And so we figured we'd go on down to the next campsite. And it was a big campsite. And we go, all right, if there's anybody there, we will, you know, we'll just apologize. And so we get down there, so we keep walking and walking and walking. We get down to Three Rivers Junction about seven o'clock and uh, everybody's just bent flush. I mean, we are worn out. But Three Rivers Junction is kind of the halfway point between Old Faithful and the Beckler Ranger Station. And Three Rivers Junction, it lives up to its name. There's three streams right here kind of simultaneously within about 50 or 60 feet of each other, and they're all kind of pointing down, and they meet up to make the Beckler River. One of them's ice cold. One of them's got the little thermal activity upstream, and it's Fairly warm, I guess you would say. But the other one off to the left, the one that was further south. Was warm. I mean, it was 95, 98 degrees warm. It was really nice. So we kind of walked upstream, and there's all these little muck holes kind of sitting there, and they're pouring hot water into this little stream. And we found a little waterfall. And so it's it was only about three or four feet, but it had a nice little pool, about God, half as big as a pool table right below it. And so, you know, we'd hiked a little scotch in there. And and uh, so we get over there, and Skip's got a little glass of scotch going on, and he's sitting in there. And then this little waterfall is pouring right on his back with this thermally heated water. And it's just, you know, God he is, this is really, really nice, man. Get in. And so the girls were down there setting up camp. They're all just sitting down there. They're all worn out. They're worn slick. And we're you know, we hadn't put up the tents or anything yet. So, you know, I peeled my shirt off and Skip goes, hey man, watch out. There's one of those muck holes pouring water in there. And it was this stink hole that you guys smell, that egg, rotten egg smell that you smell all around Yellowstone Park in certain areas. It's really, really bad. Well, it was really bad right here, but these little stink holes had water pouring out of them, and they are pouring, in they making the river warm. And so this one was about, God, as big as a basketball goal, you know, the, the goal the itself, the rim, I guess, you know, about two, three feet across, and uh, and so he, I, I almost stepped right in it, too, because it was right on the little trail that got into this little pool. You can see where a bunch of people had got into this little hot pot right here and so i walked around there and got in there and so here came here came robert lippert to see what we were doing he, he comes walking up. we go and robert goes god that looks great and we and skip goes don't step in that and i mean he walks because he's looking at us he's not looking where he's going his right leg goes right into that muck hole that stink of rotten egg muck hole all the way up to his crown jewels. I mean, his entire leg was in that stink hole, man. He couldn't get out of it. He was just, you know, oh, and the smell. Oh, my God. He, but he couldn't get out of it, man. It had a hold of him, and it was pretty warm. He said it was kind of hot, you know, and he was trying to get his leg out of that dang muckle, man. And I mean, we're in that just dying laughing and uh i mean he is just in there he's crawling on the ground trying to get his right leg out of this hole and i mean it's just covering his entire leg and he pulls his foot out and his shoes gone his shoes stuck down in there somewhere <laughs> So he has to reach down in there and get that shoe out with his arm. Oh, my God. Linda said he smelled like that in that tent all night long. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Oh, he pulls that shoe out. And it's just, oh, my God. It's just filled with that stuff. It's just filled. Filled with this rotten egg, water, mud, muck mix, just and he just pours it out of his shoe. <laughs> we're just dying laughing. <laughs> and, you know, but we're, we, have, you know, you think about it. We're 18 miles from the car still, and so. He gets in the river. he takes his other shoe off finally, and he gets in the little river deal with it is, and he gets his, you know, and he's rinsing his shoe off and everything else and all this kind of crap. And, uh, you know, we get out of that hot tub, the girls come up there and get in it, and we go back down to camp and we're setting up tents and everything else. And it's the first time we never even, we bought these tents, we never even pitched them. <laughs> these things were, I mean, I used the, that tent for God, I bought a Kelty tent. It was really cool. You could unzip it and see the stars out and looking out. It was really a, a, turned out to be a great first purchase on a tent. That's when I joined REI. I've been, you guys have, everybody's heard of REI now, but I was a member, a, a co op member of REI since 1981, I think. And uh, God, I've been a co-op at REI member for over 40 years. And most people didn't start to hear started hearing about REI until about five or 10 years ago. They used to send out a hand-drawn catalog, man, literally. It looked like that damn book by Mark Marshall. It was a hand-drawn pictures in a catalog. That's why I bought my first tent. And they would send you stuff. There's no internet. You didn't see things. You couldn't see reviews or anything else. And well, yeah, how about about that first Kelty tent. We had it all pitched, cattywampus. It was all tilted and everything else because we never even pitched we never pitched the thing out on the grass before we took off or anything. Man, we were we were just bombing down there. We were we were heading out, and so. So Roberts got this shoe all rinsed off and everything else, but even though it was in the mid nineties during the day, in Yellowstone Park it still gets cold at night. It'll get down to the it'll get down to freezing. It'll get right at freezing or below freezing or right right around freezing at night because it gets super cold at night, even in the hottest summer months of the summer. It gets cold at night. People always bring jackets even in July and August to walk around in the evenings after the sun goes down. So he knew he had to dry that shoe before the next day or is going to be frozen solid when he, you know, tried to put it on in the morning. So yeah, that's just no good. So we're sitting there and we cook dinner. And so we actually came up with a really good idea. And this worked for, God, decades until they came up with that freeze-dried food. I would buy these lean cuisine dinners. And they worked really good because they came in a pouch. So all you had to do, but you just got a big deal of water boiling and you put that lean cuisine in that that boiling water for three or four minutes to heat it up. And then you pull the little sack out of there and you open it up and you ate it. Now those lean cuisine dinners were the ticket, man. Before freeze dried food came out, that freeze dried food's really good too. Those lean cuisine dinners were the ticket. And I, you know, it's kind of—I was going through the grocery store and saying, that'll work for backpacking. And so we got this fire built and we're all sitting around this fire. And nobody else has ever sh- the, the other guys who ever had the campsite hadn't showed up yet. And so we're sitting there, and Robert Lipper's got this. Red, white, and blue, Reebok tennis shoe. Anybody that's that's my age knows exactly what I'm talking about. Anybody that is 20 years old or 25 years old listening to this podcast, never seen that, you ought to look it up. Cause they were super, super popular. God, everybody wore those things. they were, you know, red, white, and blue Reebok tennis shoe was the first big Reebok tennis shoe ever ever built. Now I mean everybody had those stupid things. And so he's got it all. You know, all these logs out there kind of on the side of the fire, you know, trying to dry the damn thing. And we're sitting there, you know, eating dinner, and we're just kind of relaxing and everything else. And this was right about the time this comet. Everybody said this is a long time ago, so a lot of people are going to remember this. But you guys were going to remember this. The internet hadn't been invented, and cell phones hadn't been invented, and you know, you basically got your information. I think the USA Today newspaper had just come out, but people were still freaked out about comets. And this comet was going to come really close to Earth, and it was called hale I mean, people were losing their minds. I mean, people all over the world, it, it was a really big deal. I thought it was going to crash into the world, and aliens lived behind it in the tail, and all this crazy stuff. I mean, if the if a comet came that close today... You know, the the internet would be just eaten up with it because it was just eaten up with news and newspapers and all this stuff. You always saw stuff about Halebop for months coming up, and it was just. Had just gone by a few days before this first big hike. And so we're sitting around the campfire, relaxing. Everybody's, you know, we're finally calming down. We're relaxing a little bit. You know, it's cooled off and everything else. And and I was kind of just sitting there and we're, I was looking up there at the fire. And I see, and I was looking at Robert's shoe and I kind of looked a little closer, you know, and I go, hey man, I think there's something wrong with your shoe. And sure enough, man, he wasn't paying attention. He kind of looked over there again. I said, man, hey. And he reaches out, and then uh, he, the sole of that Reebok shoe was starting to melt around the log he had it sitting on. And I, it, the sole was melting off that shoe. And you guys remember, we're 18 miles from the car. There ain't no cavalry coming to get you, baby. You're, you're out there. You're, you know, they're, they're, they're not flying in a helicopter to get you because your shoe got melted. And so he reaches out to grab that log. And he kind of misses, kind of falls forward a little bit, and hits the end of that log. And just like a teeter-totter, hits that log and that shoe goes, BOOM! Ivy mean, just goes flying in the air, about 10 feet in the air, way back over in the bushes, and sparks flying from it, and everything else. And Gregeth goes, Look, it's hale <laughs> you know, It's just, that she's just on fire, flying through the air back over there. You know, we're all dying laughing again at Robert. And he goes back over there, digs around in the bushes and finds that thing, and he comes back over there, and the soul of that thing is just, gone he is just he gets a log out there and he tries to start smearing that rubber back out on that sole of that shoe and i go man you got to get that fixed and so the next hour involved him heating it up and smoothing it out and heating it up and smoothing it out and it's like man that's that is not good man you know we're sitting there 18 miles from the car Man, we are a long ways out and so we finally are getting ready to go to bed. We finally get in our tents and everything about 10 or 10:30. I said let's all go to bed. Let's get up early. Let's you know get out of here. Let's let's get to the car and and uh, go go check everything out. We didn't know it at the time because again, you know, there was no trail maps on your phone or anything else and it didn't say anything about it in mark marshall's trails back then but mr bubbles the largest hot pot in the world and i cover it in depth in the in the guidebook and everything else was right up the trail from us those that hot stream that we were in was coming from mr bubbles and he was probably got a 10 minute walk away we just didn't know it And uh, but it wasn't on the map. It didn't. And and Mark Marshall didn't say anything about it. Or We would have gone up there and didn't hit it. But yeah, who knew? We didn't know. You know, I've been back to Mr. Bubbles a number of times. Lisa hadn't. So that we're going to hit it this fall. That's our second trip. And so, yeah, we were right there by Mr. Bubbles. So we all go to bed. We all just hit the sack and everything else. We all climb in our tents and everything else. And we still haven't seen the guys that were, you know, actually, somebody actually had, you know, the Three Rivers Junction campsite reserve. So, I mean, we are just now getting ready to doze off. We've all been in our tents about 10 or 15 minutes, but we're so tired. We're so worn out. We're falling asleep pretty quickly. And so all of a sudden you just hear this, Coming down the trail, and I, I go, oh my God! It's you know what is that? You know, it sounded like you know. D- some crazy animals coming into into camp right there and everything else and you know we turn our lights on real quick and we get a little flashlights and all this stuff and you know we kind of zip open the deal and everything else and I look out the the window right there the camp the little tent you know we unzip the little hole right there and I stick my head out there and here comes these two guys and it just it's about almost 11 o'clock at night it's been dark for hours I mean it is pitch blackout yeah, there's no ambient light anywhere I mean it it is dark And here came these guys down this trail So we climb out of the tent And say hi to them and all that And they're Norwegian They hardly spoke a lick of English They were just super nice and everything else And so I mean in the pitch blackness You know we're kind of watching them And we're kind of shining our little flashlights on them And everything else I mean this one one of them gets over there And he pulls out this stove deal over there And it's just like Boof Fire Fire boof, food. The other guy just goes, whoosh, tent, whoosh, sleeping bags. I mean, it was just instantaneous. It took us hours to set our stuff up and it was still all jacked up. These guys are just instantaneous food and tent and everything else. And so we finally got sat down with them. We all climbed out of our tents and sat down with them. They were just super nice and everything else. We got it developed a conversation with them. You know, they could speak a little bit of English. And so, but they had been out for I mean, weeks, m- over a month, they had been just hiking around Yellowstone Park, just going around Yellowstone Park just and in- into hiking all the way down from Yellowstone into Grand Teton all over the place. These guys were going everywhere. And so we're just super nice and laughing and everything else. And so, hey, we said, we're really tired. And so we all, you know, they go, they ate and just cleaned up just instantaneously. And, you know, they went over there and hung their food on the pole next to ours and everything else and never said a never said a word to us or anything else. And, the, you know, just, just couldn't have been any nicer and didn't say anything about us being in their campsite. That's what I was trying to get at right there. And uh, you know, the next thing you know, we get up the next morning, and uh, I kind of climb out of the tent. Skip kind of climbs out of the tent over there, and uh, you know, they're just gone. We never even heard them leave. We we got up early. We got up right at the crack of dawn, about five thirty, and those guys were already gone. I mean, we never heard a peep out of those guys. But they had come down that trail that we had fought in broad daylight. They had come bebopping down that trail. At the middle of night, they had been hiking in the in the pitch blackness with this little pin light. Now the guy behind him didn't have anything; he was just following the guy in front of him. And they had come. Hut, 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 hut. You know, Maybe they're in the Norwegian army. I don't know, man, but they knew what they were doing. They were really, really, really good at it too. And uh, man, they got We got up the next morning and it just. Those guys had just disappeared off the face of the earth, and they were gone somewhere else. They didn't even start the trail. that We started at 5.30 or 6 a.m., basically. They started it at—God, they said they saw Lone Star go off and— uh, they started it in the late afternoon. They covered the same distance we covered in roughly ten hours in like four hours. That's how fast they were walking. Man, they were really in good shape and really good. So Skip and I are up. We're up, you know, kind of messing around, and and uh, we we had a little stove, to, you know, to start you know cook food with in case we didn't, couldn't get a fire going or something like that. So we get up milling around, and the and the girls uh, wanted a, little, a cup of coffee and all that coffee. And I'm not a coffee drinker. I've never had a cup of coffee. In my life. But uh, they did. They all wanted some coffee and everything else. You guys can't believe that, can you? Uh, there's two things. All the all the crazy stuff I've done in my whole life. I've never had a cup of coffee and I've never smoked a cigarette. And uh, I promise you, there, there is, I'm not throwing stones at anybody because I'm the first one to get the uh, stones thrown back at me about all the other crazy stuff I've done in my life. But isn't that nuts? My dad always told me that he used to wave his finger at me and he goes, Coffee and cigarettes are the devil's business. <laughs> I have never had a cup of coffee and I've never smoked a cigarette. At. Got it, Dad. I see the finger. You know, I was about four years old. I got it. And so, so me and Skip get up early and all this kind of stuff. And he's getting some water going for the girls so they can have some instant coffee or whatever they had. And and uh, we get up and we look downstream. You know, the three streams meet at Three Rivers Junction to form the Beckler River. And we look downstream about God, a block, block and a half downstream. And there's two horses tied to a tree down there, right off the trail. And there's two girls swimming down there in the river, butt naked. I kind of looked over at Skip, and kind of he kind of looked over at me, and these girls kind of in the water down there, and we just kind of waved. And, and it it's about 6 a.m., and uh, so we just kind of waved. I was like, "Man, where did they come from?" Skip just kind of. I said, you "Go on down there." I Ain't mean, he was single? <laughs> I said, he like, no, nah, man. We got we got to get rolling." So, so we got everybody up. And by the time we got everybody up, you know, I told Robert and the girls, I said, "There was two girls right down there, naked, swimming, literally three minutes ago." And they were, they whatever they did, and they got their clothes back on, and they were gone. Everybody goes, "Yeah, right. Yeah, sure, sir." Sure. <laughs> like, yeah, why would I make that up? So so anyway, we get all loaded up and everything else. Robert puts that shoe on on his right foot. It was on his right foot. I'll never forget that. And it's just got this big wobble on the bottom of it. I said, man, it's as smooth as you could get that. And he goes, yeah, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. And so we take off walking. And, you know, we are heading downhill through the Beckler Canyon. And uh, it is just glorious. It is so pretty. We shot a video. For you guys that have bought a guidebook, you know, you can scan that QR code in the back. And uh, Lisa and I have been in the Beckler Canyon a number of times. And, uh, I mean, it's like you're walking through... Olympic National Park up in Washington. I mean, there's big ferns growing and little water trickles everywhere and moss and big crazy colored mushrooms everywhere. It's, it's this crazy weird little wet ecosystem going on down through there. It's, it's so different than the rest of Yellowstone Park. It's so cool. And we're just walking down through there and I got way out in front of everybody. So I figured I'd better wait and better wait on my wife. And so I was sitting on this, cliff with my feet dangling over and the beckle of the river is right below me and about 80 or 100 feet and I'm this cliff straight down I'm sitting there eating a granola bar and, and drinking a little water waiting on everybody and I mean, I just it was just overwhelmingly beautiful. It was so pretty. It was really, really cool. And we knew we were gonna to get to some of these falls. In this hand drawn map that Mark Marshall had in there, he had these falls, Irish Falls, Colonnade Falls, and all these other falls that we were getting ready to get to. And so we're walking down this trail and got to be close to lunch and noon and we stopped somewhere and kinda of ate and you know, we'd get up to a fall, and everybody was so worn out, everybody was so tired, that you had to kind of drop your pack, and you would have to walk three minutes, five minutes to go down and see. Like Colonnade Falls is this beautiful double falls, so they wouldn't. we're not looking. We are, we're gonna. We want to go. Here. You know, it's like God, you guys, we came all this way to go see this stuff. Let's go see it. All right. Well, you guys go on down the trail. Skip and I'll catch up to you. So they would take off down the trail, Robert leading the way and telling everybody to put their thumbs in their shoulder packs and move them around and telling everybody what to do as he's hobbling along on that Reebok tennis shoe that got melted, old hellbop shoe. And uh, Linda's, you know, complaining about her her ankle and everything else. And, you know, Ann's trucking along, and she wants to go get a Diet Coke in the car that my dad had left her. She knew that my dad would leave her Diet Coke. And, And so they just take off. And so Skip and I walk down. To Colonnade Falls, and you go down this little trail. It literally takes three minutes to get down there to see it. And there's a moose, big moose, the baby moose, right at the base of the falls. Me and Skip take a picture of this little crappy Kodak throwaway camera we had. I still have the picture, you know, it's just like so cool, it's so beautiful. And uh, we go down to the next fall down there. And there's some people swimming in the base of the next fall on a hot day because they camp down that by that area down there. We go down and check that out. hey, what are you guys doing? And all that stuff. And you know, hey, we we're just having a ball, swimming in the river, you know, it was it's so pretty, you guys. The if you guys are hikers or walkers, that Beckler area needs to be on your bucket list. It is the most beautiful part of Yellowstone Park there is. You know, it doesn't have any geysers going off or any of that kind of crazy stuff, but it's really, really 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 beautiful hot pots and all that stuff and great waterfalls and everything else it's it's just unreal it's my favorite part of Yellowstone park we keep taking off down through there and we finally get to the bottom of the Beckler Canyon which was about the halfway point for the second day about 9 or 10 miles we came down the canyon and we and it just and you kind of walk out of the canyon and all of a sudden the trees end and so we it's about 1 30 or 2 o'clock, and we've still got eight or nine miles to go. So we know we're not gonna get there till, God, probably six o'clock. And so we were sitting there and uh we knew if we went and got the car and brought it back to the Beckler Ranger Station, that would save us about a mile. Because my dad, we were gonna do the whole thing. We're going all the way. You know, all the way to Cave Falls. So we all go, hey skip and i'll go out in front of you guys we'll go get the car at the cave falls and we'll drive it back up to the beckler ranger station so when you guys see the sign for the beckler ranger facing you know to the right and Cave falls to the left we're looking at this little map you know Martin marshall had drawn on by pencil on this little book and uh you know just go right you know go to the beckler ranger station there should be a sign out there everybody goes okay all right great you know, Robert's just hobbling along, his wife Linda, who's just a trooper. She's complaining about her ankle and everything else. And so me and Skip take off. And I mean, we cleared the trees. We walked past the trees. <laughs> We'd been in the trees all morning long. And I mean, this storm kind of came in to our right. We could kind of see a building. We were having this team powwow. We didn't make it 20 feet. And I mean, it just starts this Downpour, just a straight ass downpour. You couldn't see a hundred yards. Hail rain, hail, rain, and hail and rain. And of course, you know, my wife didn't bring anything to have for her or rain gear or anything else. So I had to give her my rain gear that I brought. She forgot hers. She had, I had this really nice rain gear that went over you and your pack to keep your pack, pack from getting soggy and heavy. And I put on a trash bag, had an extra trash bag. And so I put on trash bag, you know, and Skip's got his stuff and he's gone. So we take off and we we leave them. We're walking almost twice as fast as they are and so we get out across there and when you come to these these rivers you're crossing the beckler river or the ferris fork or whatever and it's really cool the park service got this set up really neat they you get to a river and some of them you have to ford now but back then when we did this hike they had these rope up, three ropes in a triangle like there was a big rope about three inches around on the bottom and then up top there was two ropes up top and it was tied together about every six or eight feet and you And I had a big log stuck back on one side of the river and a big log over there. And this triangle of ropes, you walked on that big rope and held on to the other two and got to the other side. It was really cool. I mean, it was fun. It was really, really fun stuff. You know, we get up there and Skip goes over and I take his picture and I get over there and then we do the next one and he takes my picture and stuff like that. It was really cool. There's some pictures in the guidebook. The Bridges are a lot better now they 've got their there's still a cable system like that where you 're walking on them and uh, there 's a picture of Lisa crossing across one of those. We get down through there and it 's just pouring down rain. I mean the whole time we the Beckler Meadow is about four or five miles across, and uh, you 're just out in the middle of this flat meadow, just this dead flat meadow and it's it's really pretty you can see the tetons off in the distance it'd be nice to see the tetons we could see about 100 or 200 yards it was raining so hard and hailing and just i mean it looked like snow on the ground there was so much hail on the ground and you know which what are you going to do you're going to stop You're just going to stand there no you got to keep going so we finally get to the trees across there, and we finally get into the trees, and of course it stops raining instantly, right when we got into the trees. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> and Skip, at this point in time, had left me. He, he was well gone out in front of me. I, I couldn't, he took off in front of me, and he goes, hey man, I'll go get the car. And uh, I go, good, good, go get it, and so... And so he took off to go get the car, and I said, "You know, I wouldn't argue with him at all." So yeah, sure, you go get it. And so he took off to go to Cave Falls to go get the car, and so I was walking through there, and uh, you know, I'm just soaking wet, just soaking wet. The water, I my mean, shoot, my my hiking boots weren't waterproofed. And, I mean, I, I, the water had run down my, my legs, down my calves, and just filled my boots. So I stopped, and I took my boots off, and I, I took my socks out, and I wrung all the water out and everything else. And and But the trees now were soaking wet, and they were letting the rain, what rain was there, come down from the trees every time the wind would blow. So it's like it was raining all over again. It's like, God Almighty. And so... I knew once we hit the trees that we probably had about four or five miles. You know, but you don't, there, there was no way to really tell. On the map in the book by Mark Marshall. And so, because this map is just this hand, crazy hand-drawn map. It didn't have a scale to it or anything else. You couldn't have to tell how far it was. But every blue moon there when you got to the trees there would be these orange markers about 20 feet in the air you know about about as big as a deck of cards about three inches wide about two inches tall and so you're walking through there right when we hit the trees there was one of those markers up there and what these markers are for is in the wintertime like say if somebody's getting a cross-country ski in there or if you get caught in a snowstorm and you're out hiking and you lose the trail you can't see where the trail is out in front of you you can follow those orange markers you can probably from the one you can walk a little bit and you'll find the next you, you can see those orange markers every blue moon and about one out of every four or five of them would have the mileage on it to tell you how far you are to the Beckler Ranger Station. So when I hit the trees, I think it said 4 or 4.5 miles. And I walked about an hour and a half, maybe two hours or so, and you think I was getting pretty close. I mean, water's just gushing out of my shoes. They're sopped. They're soaking wet. And, uh, and I just, you know, I wasn't going to keep doing that. I mean, every step I took... And so I, I walked what I consider to be about two. I walked about two hours. I, you know, I had a watch on. I timed it about two hours. And so I knew I had four miles to go. And so I just, I just knew it was right around the corner. I just that the, the ranger station had to be right there. And uh, I just, it had to be right around the corner. And I just kept going around the next corner and the next corner and the next corner and I just waiting to see it. And I was like, God, where is it? And I was so worn out. I was so tired. Uh, the, my pack was so heavy. It was just soaking wet. And, and so I come around this corner and I look up in one of those trees and I see one of those orange markers up in those trees. And I looked up there and I just couldn't believe it. It said point. 0 and i just i sat there and i go oh my god i've got 2 miles to go you got to be kidding me i i just i i couldn't believe it i was just so done i was so tired i was so worn out i i just i was i sat there and i just i was all by myself and i just looked up at that 2.0 deal and this has never happened to me before in my entire life. I just I sat there, and I looked up at that damn deal. <laughs> and I swear, I, the woman in me, I could just feel it welling up. And I mean, I could just feel the tears coming up. And I just, I was so tired. I was so worn out. And I mean, right to my chin. And I just started... <laughs> I mean, the tears are just pouring down my cheeks. I just, I was so tired. I was so done. I just started bawling, man. I just started crying like a little girl. And I mean, I couldn't believe I was doing that, but I was just so done. I was so tired. I had reached the end of my rope long before that. And I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, All of a sudden, out of nowhere comes this little fat guy all by himself, backpack on, this huge backpack as big as he was. This little fat guy comes around the corner at me, and he comes up there, and I kind of wipe my eyes real quick, (laughs) getting all the tears wiped off my eyes and everything. I turn around, I get all the way, you know, wiping my face, get all the, I mean, I just. Pouring tears, man. So, I turn around and he comes around the corner and he's just geared up, man. He is so excited. He goes, Man, how was it? He goes, I've been waiting for this trip for five years. He goes, I'm a stockbroker in New York. And he goes, I'm just getting away from everything. And he goes, How was it? And uh, he goes, What was the Beckler Canyon like? And he goes, Did you see any animals and all this stuff? And I sat there and I go, yeah, it was so cool, and I told him about Colonnade Falls and how you had to get off the trail. And there was a moose down there with a little baby. And he goes, a moose with a little baby. And he was just, just his eyes were just big, and he was so excited. And he goes, God, I can't wait. And he goes, I'm going to be out there for two nights. And he goes, we're going here. I'm going to go a campsite here and a campsite here. And he goes, I just can't wait to get out there. And uh, I just, it just, I go, man, it was so pretty. It's so cool. You won't believe it. I go, wait till you get up there and see the the canyon and the ferns and everything else. He goes, no kidding. And I go, yeah, it's 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 so pretty. It's so cool. And uh, I told him about us getting in that little waterfall. The way he goes, oh my god, that sounds like heaven. And I go, it it was so cool. And I sat there, and it just it just hit me like a, a sledgehammer. And he go, I go. Uh, here, here I am with this guy. <laughs> I mean, I was just crying like a little girl before he got there, and here we are. We're at the same place at the same exact time, and I'm almost to the finish line. He is just starting to go. At, he's going into the whole melee of what I considered a melee at that point in time into that canyon, and into all that stuff, and I'm trying to get out of it, and I thought I was at the finish line, and I'm sitting there crying like a little girl, and I just got this big dose of, man, I mean, you shut the heck up, and realize where you are, and enjoy the situation, and and realize how cool it was, and how pretty it was, and, and not how hard it is, but how pretty and, and enjoyment and the fulfillment and the beauty of it here the, here's these two people sitting in the exact same spot in the whole world and i'm almost done and he is just getting started and he is so thrilled to be there and i mean i walked out those last two miles it just gave me the big cup of shut the hay up and uh i those last two miles felt like they took 10 minutes It just changed my whole attitude. Everything in your life is about your attitude towards towards things. It really influenced me for the rest of my life. When something gets really, really, really hard, I think about that moment. You know, I think about how hard it might be for somebody else that's maybe... Maybe handicapped or something like that. You know, I'm complaining about something in my life or something like that. You know, it really gave me a dose of, you know, gratuity, how how good I've got it. And I'm sitting in this wonderful place, and this guy is in a wonderful place. We're both in this wonderful place. And it really influenced me for the rest of my life to have a good attitude no matter how tough it seems at the, at that moment because it's never as tough as you think it is. It really changed my life at that point in time. I told you guys this thing had a pretty good moral to this story and influenced my life. And I kind of understood what my dad had tried to, to tell me all those years that uh, if you think this is bad, just you wait, something really bad is going to happen. And this isn't going to think this is going to be my, you know, minuscule compared to what could happen. So quit worrying about it. Just deal with it, get it past it and move on down the road and quit complaining. I mean, trust me, I had a big dose of woe is me going on and until that little guy came around the corner. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was nuts. I, it really, really gave me a, a big uh, cup of shut the H up and get on down the road. And so, you know, I came around the corner of those last. Two miles just felt like nothing, and I came around the corner and there was Skip sitting there on the car, and I was like, "Hey man, what are you doing?" And uh, came up there and he had a big Scotch sitting there for me, and you know, a bunch of ice. My dad had made this big cooler full of stuff for us and all that. And he goes, "Who's a happy camper?" and I said, "I am, baby." And I go, "Did you see that little guy from New York?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, man. He was talking to me in the parking lot. He is so geared. And I was telling me about it, and uh, yeah, I go, man, you know, I, I didn't get into the whole crying, weepy crying whole scenario to him or anything." else like that but uh yeah i said man i and skip goes god it was so cool that was some of the coolest things i've ever seen in my whole life that was just unreal and and it is that backward area is just unreal so we sat there on the car and and waited for everybody to come out to come around the corner here came my wife next and and she came bebopping around the corner and she goes don't say a word to me. <laughs> and so I, was, I already had her a diet coke. She just loved Diet Cokes and so I had her a big Diet Coke made and hand her a big Diet Coke. She threw off that pack and it's really cool once you have a you go on a big long hike like that and you throw off that pack. I mean it feels like you're walking on the moon. I mean it feels like you could almost fly. I mean you're just so lightened up and it's like you're just your feet barely touch the ground for about five or ten minutes after you take off a big heavy pack like that and so she she changed her attitude pretty quick got her big diet coat going and everything else and and i go where where are they at and she goes i don't know i left them on one of those bridges back there and never looked back and and she goes i think they're coming she goes i think something's wrong with linda's ankle and so i go oh no and so here came robert and he came around the corner and he was worn slick and he goes don't say anything to linux we said who's a happy camper and You know, he just walked up there to the car, and he just, he was hobbling on that chew, that melted chew, and everything else. And so we get up there, and, you know, and about five minutes later, here came Linda, and and, uh, she was crying, and uh, it's like, oh, my gosh. So I ran down there and grabbed her pack, and she was just complaining about her ankle. We're actually flying out of Jackson Hole back then, and so we went to Jackson Hole. The next day, and we're going to fly. We spent the night in Jackson, we're going to fly out the next day. And so we run her to the clinic in Jackson Hole, and she has broken her Achilles tendon. Somewhere on that hike, she literally broke her Achilles tendon. And she never said a word. She's just tougher than a ten penny hammer. She just hobbled out. She just hobbled her ass out of there for, God, that second day. She complained about it the first day. But we never dreamed she had pulled or broken her Achilles tendon or whatever it was. I mean, it was not good. You know, you're sitting there that, that far from the car. And, and uh, gosh, so we just, you know, we're 18 miles from the car at the halfway point. Boy, and, you know, so we get back to Oklahoma City. Boy, the, I go to work the next morning. And, I mean, I have got a phone call at 630 in the morning from Linda's father-in-law, Robert's dad. And he is full-blown pissed off and wants me to come over to his office. This was only about half a mile from our office. We were in the landscape business, landscape contracting business. They were in the lip, the building business, Lippert Brothers Construction. They were in the construction business, and we did a lot of jobs for them. Teddy! I go, yes, sir, Mr. Lippert. And he goes, get your ass over here to my office right now. Boom! Hung up the phone. You had a cell phone or anything else. You had a landline. Boom! Oh no! I told my dad. I said I'm gonna run over to Lippert Brothers real quick, and uh, I just you know he knew that Linda had done something to her ankle, and I you know we told him, called him from Jackson Hole, and oh my god, I'm glad she's gonna be okay and all that stuff. You know she never said a word. She never complained one time. And so I go over there to his office, and he's already got Robert sitting in there, his son. Just lights into us. What's wrong with you two full-grown men taking my daughter-in-law on a death hike like that? I can't believe you guys did that. Just going after it. Dodging staplers. I mean, about anything he could get his hands on. You know, we're dodging it sitting in his office over there, man. He is furious. His face is red. He is pissed off. You know, as pissed off as <laughs> Robert's dad was, you know, Linda's parents never never said a word about it. You know, my parents and, and Linda's parents were really good friends, and Linda and I had grown up as little kids together, and went to high school together, and everything else. So, you know, but they never said a word. But boy, uh, Robert's dad was just just a, I mean, he'd a hog tied his feet could have got a hold of it. But I saw Linda a few days later, and I mean, she was on crutches, had a full-blown plaster cast on, man. I mean, back then, they were real thick and heavy and made a plaster, and people would ride on them and crap like that. So, I mean, she never complained one time you know she came up it was just the dead opposite she came up saying how cool it was and how beautiful it was and how pretty it was and you know never complained about blowing out her achilles tendon on the walk she was just saying how pretty it was and how great the hike was i mean that that was linda that's how she rolled you know robert had, i forgot to tell you guys a really funny part so we, you know we're in the car we get everybody in the car and we're driving back to henry's lake that night it's about 8 o'clock, worn out, we're hungry, everything else. We go to the little town of Ashton, and it's still a tiny little town. I mean, I can hit a two-iron from one end of it to the other. But they have a little gas station there, a little quick stop right there. still there today. I mean, it's been there for 50 years. And so we pull into this little gas station to go inside, get something to eat, get something cold to drink and everything else. Robert's sitting there. And he's still got that crazy shoe on. And I said, man, take your shoes off. Because, I mean, I was barefoot, man. I couldn't wait to get those damn shoes off. My feet were just toast. And so he's in the backseat of this car. And so he's just sitting there. He goes, man, I'm afraid to take it off. My foot's really hurting me. And he takes that. He finally gets that melted, hail-bop, reebok. Red, white, and blue tennis shoe off. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching him take this, you know, sitting there drinking a Diet Coke or something, watching him take this shoe off and he takes his sock off and I go, Oh my god, and I looked down, and he had a blister on the side on the left side of his right big toe that was bigger than his big toe. I mean, it looked like somebody had inserted a ping pong ball underneath his skin maybe a golf ball. It was this huge blister, but that shoe was so malformed and everything else, it kind of just. Pushed some of the leather over because it got wet or something. So he had this blister on the side of his foot. And I go, oh, my God. God, we had people from the gas station coming over there that were filling up in gas, walking in and out of the store because he had his foot sitting out of the side of the car out there, you know, kind of doing what the knife or something to lance this thing. And I mean, people are just complete strangers are walking by looking at this blister on the side of his foot. It's dying laughing. We got about six raid people out there pumping gas, little kids coming by to look at this blister on the side of his foot. I mean, it was so funny. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I mean, you know, he's the only one that had been hiking. And he wears his pair of the Reebok tissues and they melt. He's got this blister. Looks like he had a tidalist underneath the skin of his foot on, his, on the side of his big toe. Oh, my God. It was just unreal. And so I forgot to put that in there. Oh, my God. It was so funny. Oh, my God. So, yeah, we were completely overwhelmed, but I swear we learned so much. I have been back to that Beckler area, I mean, dozens of times, probably 50 times, and, God, that's where Union Falls is, the cover shot for the guy. But I'm still laughing about that blister. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and so uh, i forgot i've I thought about that in years <laughs> right now and so but uh yeah that's where union falls you guys can day hike to union falls you know you can get up to union falls it's only you know in about two or three hours you can get up to union falls and then mess around all day and then hike back to your car so yeah you don't have to do this big 38 mile jaunt to go visit beckler so but, yeah, so that is the conclusion of the first big hike and uh, all the stuff that happened to us and Linda Lippert. And we we we'd laughed about it for for years. Uh, Linda and Robert ended up getting divorced and all that. and But Linda was go, would always go up there with my cousin Nancy. And so she was had been going up there for years with uh, us. We'd go cliff diving over at the Firehole River. And, God, there's one cliff over there that is... Forty plus feet high, you know you can't j- cliff jump anymore. But back then you could. I mean, this thing was forty something feet high back when we were in high school back in the in the seventies. Uh, and uh, I jumped off that thing, and Linda was you know up there with me. And I'm sitting there, you know, looking up to see if she's coming down. I see her coming down, diving head first, forty seven feet, just. Right in the water and pops up and comes over and swims down and sits next to me and she goes, Let's go do it again. That was a ball. She was she was a gas. She was a trooper, man. I still I mean I still see her. You know, she only lives about three miles from me. Mary did this great guy now, but yeah, Linda was just, and she loved it. She would, I would, when I first met her husband, probably gosh, this was 20 years ago, and I met her second husband, and uh, he came over to me and he goes, God, Linda has told me all these stories about you guys up there in Yellowstone Park and Montana and all this and how much fun you guys had. Never said a word about, you know, breaking her Achilles' tendon. and just all the fun things. She always was the cup half full kind of girl and very adventurous, very everything, else and she was she was just a trooper man. She never complained a bit about but I mean, she broke her Achilles tendon the first day sometime we think and made it out. 18 20 miles that's nuts it's crazy but she did it so anyway yeah so that's the this the end of this story podcast usually on these story podcasts i mix in two or three short stories but i know this one's pretty long so i'm only gonna do this one story podcast the first big hike and how we found that book and all that stuff and and like i say that the mark marshall yellowstone trails book now is so big it'd take you months just to read it all you know i i've done them all i've done them all and i send you guys to the best of the best of the best of the best hikes in yellowstone and grand teton and he doesn't even cover anything in grand teton and i cover all of that in the guidebook for you guys so all right, that's it. You guys have made it to the end of this podcast. It's a pretty, pretty funny one, and uh, we learned a lot of lessons on that thing, and you know, got much better equipment. And you know, the old saying, you know, the ounces add up to pounds, and pounds add up to trouble. That uh, I learned that lesson big time, and that was one of the quotes in Mark Marshall's book in the preface right there. And I was like, yeah, I can do it. All. And I mean I learned how. We pack fast and we pack light nowadays when we go overnighting in the park and all that stuff. And so it got it down to a science, I promise you guys. So you guys have need to go into the Beckler area. You don't have to do a big overnight or anything else. You can, Like I say, there's uh, Terrace Falls is down in the Beckler area. You can get to Terrace Falls in 30 minutes. That's a great hike for small kids. You can see Cascade Acres and Terrace Falls over there. And then right down the road, about six or eight miles west, is the, uh, the trailhead marker for uh, Union Falls. And, and uh, Scout Creek where you can go swimming in Scout Creek right there, a little eight-foot waterfall, and you go in this pool and the thing's about ninety-eight degrees. And yeah, there's some great things in Beckler, beautiful things in Beckler. And I I say this before that I think in one day, the Beckler area is so pretty and there's so much stuff to see down there, but you have to walk it. There there's no roads. And there's there's no roads because there's it's it's so wet all the time, but they, you know they'll figure out a way if they do open the Beckler area up to cars one day, and I, I bet that'll happen. Maybe maybe not in my lifetime, maybe not in the next you know ten or fifteen years, however long I live. I can't believe I've made it this far to be honest with you. They'll it, it'll relieve pressure on the rest of the park because it'll get people to come down to. The southwest corner, which is, you know, hardly anybody ever sees, less than one half of 1% of the people that visit Yellowstone Park ever get into the Beckler area. There's 5 million people go into the Yellowstone Park, and like, I think only, I think less than a 1,000 get into the Beckler area every year but it's one of the it's the most beautiful part of Yellowstone Park and the waterfalls are incredible. And they'll but if they do open that up to road travel and they will one day, it'll relieve so much more pressure on the park because you'll have to drive down to Ashton from Ashton you go east and you kind of go up north a little bit to get to the Beckler Ranger Station and then you take off from there but that road will continue one day up to Union Falls, and then swing around and go over to Dunanda, and then get people to the top Beckler Canyon, where they can easily walk up to pollinate and iris, and then come back to their car, and then come back around. and th- That's going to happen. It'll it'll happen one day. Probably not in the near future. Probably not in the next 10 or 15 years. But uh, it'll happen one day because it'll re- it'll relieve pressure on the rest of the park. Those, those, it'll have, you know, millions of people going into the Beckler area when there's now less than a thousand. So, I mean, I like it when there's less than a thousand, trust me, you know, I'll put in the effort. I say that in the guidebook over and over and over again. If you just put in the effort, Yellowstone Park can pay off in spades. And uh, in the Beckler area, boy, you're sitting there holding four aces. I tell you, when you go to the Beckler area, you're holding four aces. You've got a winning hand every time you get down to that Beckler area, I promise you guys. So, all right. You guys made it to the end of this one, and I'll and I'll try to post another story podcast. I got another one on the front burner for you guys. It's more of an adult one, so I'll, I'll preface that, uh, but it's a good one. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to try to do that one next. I keep saying I got, I'm going to keep doing these story podcasts because everybody says they love them so much. So, but uh, anyway, look for our new clothing line, and then in 2024, I'm going to have some big ads to the guidebook with the hiking chapter. I'm going to break it down into sections for. Kid, little kids, or, or people that might be uh, on a uh, in a wheelchair or walker, that easier trails for those people, and to kind of separate it out into sections because it's so big, and I'm gonna I'm trying to break it down into, into parts for you guys, where you don't have to read the whole thing. And if you guys got little kids, you can just read that one little chapter I've got on hiking with little kids and stuff in the park, and and uh, I'll I'll kind of get into all that stuff with you guys. So I think there'll be some really good additions to the guidebook in 2024. Like I say, I think it's just perfect every, every spring. Like we get it, send it off to the publisher and get it back and get our thousand copies printed off. It's It's just perfect. And so, it's good. I got it screwed down tight, but uh, every and then I reread it and I keep making notes and and uh, next year I, it's going to be better than ever. And I, I'm going to keep saying that every year. So, all right, I'll, I'll stop rambling. Talk to you guys later. Thanks much. See you in the park. I'll see you there. See you down in Beckler. Bye.